Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I just finished this week on one of my drives to visit one of our parishioners. I finished the uh, reading the book Robinson Crusoe. Have you all read it? Does anyone remember reading Robinson Crusoe? I see a couple. Okay. It's timely that I would finish it this week because the story of his life is, it makes a fitting example of our lessons today. So if you don't remember, most people will recall that Robinson Crusoe was cast away on an island, a deserted island. But there's a whole lot more to the story. Uh, he left England and went to sea in a bit of rebellion. Uh, he was uh, confident and he was self-assured and he quickly discovered that he was not invincible. He suffered shipwreck, capture by pirates, enslavement. He escaped. Then he escaped and he faced the threat of wild animals. Then he had further shipwreck. And along the way, in spite of the setbacks, every time he was preserved. So when he finally, with that final shipwreck, wound up on a desert island, a deserted island, where he would stay for uh, 28 years, or as he would say it, uh, tw- uh, eight and 20 years. Um, that's a long time. But anyway, he wound up on this island, and he started to, he began to realize that his heavenly father was there with him all along. Even though he had left in rebellion and not really in a, from a position of, of faith or of having a solid faith, he realized that in all of these things that had happened, I mean, he was the sole survivor of his ship that was shipwrecked. And he had food and he had what he needed. Uh, the, the sh- there were things that happened, even though his ship wrecked, there was uh, materials that he was able to save from that that helped him survive on this island. And so he began to realize and, and came to realize that, um, that it was God who was preserving and protecting him. And then he had really a further revelation, which was that God was not primarily protecting his physical body, but protecting his eternal soul. Because through all of this, he was revealing to him who his heavenly father is. And he was helping him to see God as his savior. In fact, you could even say that the threats to his body and his mortal life were a means to capture and protect his soul for eternal life. Because it was through that punishment that he endured that he came to have a stronger faith in God. In fact, you could even also say that when he left England, he didn't even know that his soul was in danger. He, was, he didn't even know, you know, it's like the expression, you don't even know what you don't know. You know, he didn't even know that this was a problem. He thought he knew about world, the, the problems of the world. He didn't even know that his soul was in danger when he left England, but he came to realize that. Now in our gospel lesson, in case you were wondering, how does this relate back to our gospel lesson? I will get there. In our gospel lesson, we see that as Matthew records, Jesus went throughout all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and proclaiming the gospel of the kingdom and healing every disease and every affliction. And it goes on to say that as he was teaching and 
uh, healing, he saw the crowds and he had compassion on them. Our word compassion is not quite strong enough. The, the word is splagnitsomai, which is a mouthful. You don't have to repeat that. But, but it actually refers to your intestines. And it's like a, like a gut punch. Like, ah, you know, ah, you know, and you feel that pain in your stomach. Like, ooh, you want to buckle over in, in pain, you know. Have you ever, like, fallen and got the wind knocked out of you or... or you know, been hit in the stomach and you like lose your breath and you have this, this feeling like, oh, it's just, it's, it's a pain. Well, that's getting closer to the pain that Jesus saw. When he looks at the crowds, he has this gut punch, you know, this feeling of, of compassion on them. He saw that they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. Sheep are Helpless animals, they're not able to defend themselves from the ravenous teeth of wolves. So if there's no shepherd there to protect them, that's the end of it. Sheep are very helpless. And Jesus sees this in the people, in the crowds he sees they're helpless. These are sheep that are in need of a shepherd. This picture he gives of humans as being sheep in need of a shepherd. Think about 1 Peter 5, 8. Peter's caution for us. Be sober-minded. Be watchful. Why? Because your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion seeking someone to devour. This is real. The devil is smart. Satan is very crafty. He's excellent at deceit. He's cunning. He has lots of advantages over us. Experience, power, he's potent. He's not omnipotent, but he's potent. And he does what he will to draw us away from the shepherd and to draw people into condemnation. Now, God's chosen people were not immune from the enticement of Satan. We read from Exodus 19, you heard that God said to the Israelites, he said, you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. That's Israel. In other words, the Israelites were to be priests. What is that? Intercessors. They were to be intercessors, a holy nation of intercessors who served to intercede between all of humanity and God, our Heavenly Father. And yet, in Jesus' time, as he looks out across the crowd, he sees people who forget about being priests and being a light and a beacon to the rest of the world. They were not taking care of their own people. Even within the the chosen people of Israel, they were suffering because the priests were not faithful to bring God to the people. I mean, this is, uh, this is, these are the people who were set aside for the express purpose of bringing God's salvation to the ends of the earth. And yet here we are 1,400 years after this promise was given in Exodus 19, 1,400 plus years later, 
And Jesus looks out and has compassion on them because he sees that they are sheep. So much for being priests to the world. I mean, the priests of Israel aren't even shepherding their own people, let alone bringing salvation to the ends of the earth. Psalm 100, which we, which we responsibly read, says, Make a joyful noise to the Lord, all the earth, all the earth. Because God is not just the God of the Jews. He's the God of all the earth. The earth is the Lord's and the fullness thereof. God's plan for redemption was not for Israel alone, but for all the earth. And it was, it was through Israel that God's plan of redemption would come to the earth, to all the world. But it wasn't only for Israel, it was for all people. And so Jesus, looking and seeing this deplorable state in which the people are, here they are without a sheep, ready to be torn apart by Satan, their adversary, and he has a gut punch and he feels that pain. And I say to you that he was not looking merely at this crowd 2,000 years ago, but Jesus was looking at all people past, present, and future of all time who suffer this same abuse of our adversary, the devil. He looked at crowds then and now, saw into the future as he longs, as long as he looks into the future as long as he waits to return until that time when he returns. Until then, he's gathering up and building the church year by year. I know you've heard me say this before. The church is never, ever shrinking. It is only growing. Now, when people die, believers die, they join the church triumphant, but they don't leave the church. The church is always growing. And as long as the Lord tarries, as long as he waits to return, our church is growing. So with compassion, he, he looks and he sees their afflictions. And guess what? He sees your afflictions too, which I know you suffer them. I know everyone in here suffers pain, sickness, anxiety, depression, fear, uncertainty, remorse. You suffer from the sins that you commit because your your conscience condemns you. And you also suffer from the sins that are committed against you. This is the world that we live in. It is a world that is fallen. It is a world where there is sin and sin has consequences. And Satan loves to use that. Satan loves to use your sin, you know. He, he, he makes you believe on the front end. That's no big deal. Everyone's doing that. Don't worry about it. That's, that's, that's how he convinces you to walk right into sin. But then once you've committed the sin, then what does he do? Oh my gosh, you did that? Oh no, there's no way you're worthy of God's salvation. This is the worst sin in the world. Oh my gosh, you are such a reprobate. See, he's cunning and deceiving. And with these tricks and schemes of the devil, he makes you feel oppressed. He he drags you down. And this, this, this is what I'm saying is Jesus sees all of that. And for that reason, he has compassion. So when you're suffering, you're not suffering alone. 
he feels that same gut punch. For this reason, he has come. Jesus is the answer. Turn to Christ. He is the shepherd. You're not sheep without a shepherd. You're sheep with a shepherd. It's Jesus Christ. Though even the people that love you most and and the ones that you love, the people you're closest to, they're still going to fail you from time to time. I, I have to ask my family members for forgiveness because I don't do right by them sometimes. Am I the only one? No, we do. We have to. So we will fail the ones that we love still. Now, I say from time to time, okay? Don't make a habit of it, please. (laughs) But Jesus is the one who will never fail you. He is the true shepherd. He is the one who has compassion, who feels your pain. And as Paul said to the Romans in the lesson we heard this morning, while we were sinners, he looked down and said, yeah, I'm going to die for you. While we were sinners, not, not at the peak, not when we were like, okay, I'm ready. What's the play? Is it Hamlet, the one where he won't, uh, he won't kill Hamlet because Hamlet's praying? He's like, oh, if I, if I kill him while he's praying, he'll go to heaven. <laughs> so I want to wait till he's not praying. What is it? No, I can't hear yeah, it's his uncle, but it's the play Hamlet, right, where that happens. Yeah, so his uncle doesn't. You know, he's like, oh, I can't kill him now. He's, he's praying. I've got to wait for a better opportune moment. No, no. Jesus died for us while we were sinners at the low point, the low point where Satan is in your ear saying, oh, you are worthless. There is no way that Jesus would die for you. Not for that sin. That's when Jesus died for you. That and all your other sins. I mean, it is comforting to think about this, that no matter what happens in this life, we are held in the arms of our Savior, our good and true shepherd. Now, Jesus says, I'm just about finished here. Jesus says, the harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. Therefore, pray earnestly to the Lord of the harvest to send out laborers into his harvest. This prayer was answered in the calling of the 12 apostles who were given this special apostolic ministry. And they were taught by Jesus. They were in the school of Jesus for three years. They still didn't get it all right, by the way. We read that this morning as we were going through Acts, that uh, the tail end of Luke, that after his resurrection, he had to teach them all of the things of the, how the prophets and Moses spoke of Jesus. So they were still learning even after the end of three years in the school of Jesus. But they went to the school of Jesus for three years where our beloved Lord and Savior was their very teacher. And they were inspired by God, the Holy Spirit, to write the words of the scripture that we have. The, the New Testament, the, the, uh, the, the body of teaching that the apostles have given us. This is the apostolic teaching. This is the one holy apostolic church that we confess in the creed. That's the one that the apostles are carrying out. This is an answer to Jesus' very prayer as he prays for laborers to work in the harvest. And beyond that, each of you is an answer to this prayer also. Read, study, learn. Inwardly digest God's word. 
so that you are equipped and prepared and are able to be the answer to this prayer. Every time you speak a word of truth, a word of redemption to someone who is despondent, feels like the world has beaten them down. Or perhaps you speak a word of law to someone who says, I'm not worried about it. It'll all work out in the end. Well, (laughs) we need to take Jesus' word seriously. We need to take his teaching seriously. So we read, we study, we digest his word. And moreover, we do that so that we are armed against the adversary. Your good shepherd has given you the apostles' teaching for this reason, so that you may know, so that you don't mourn as those who have no hope when your loved ones die, so that you don't fear the attacks of the devil when they come, because they do come. But you arm yourself with God's word. He's given it to you for your benefit and for your protection. I want to close with Jesus, uh, with uh, Peter's words from John 6. Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. Yeah, your good shepherd, he's the one who gives us the words of eternal life. So we go to him and we, we take that and we arm ourselves and we prepare ourselves for the onslaught of the adversary. The peace of God which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus.